the Lord. Well, let us pray quickly as we go into the second service. I mean, into the second section of this uh, representation today. Our Father and our God, we pray that you take absolute control over us and that you teach us that that we ought to know today. Even as we are determined to personally plan and take control of all the activities and funding and planning and helping and assisting our children, even as we prepare them for higher education in the name of Jesus Christ. The things we ought to know and the things we ought to do, help us to do them aright to the glory and praise of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So the, I will try as much as I can not to be repetitive of the various things that uh, were discussed in the first or they were presented in the first uh, service. And so, if from the slide, can you move to the next slide, please? The main topics to be covered were the planning for funding, application process, issues and challenges, and additional tips for planning for uh, our children's education, higher education. Now, Though I have laid out the topics to be in the form, the main topics, but I will concentrate mostly on planning for funding and maybe application process. May, most of the other items may have been covered already. I will just touch those ones briefly for our time. We only have 20 minutes for this. Amen. Praise the Lord. So let's jump into planning for funding. And the, just before we go to the next slide, say planning for funding. According to Luke 14, 28, Jesus was talking to his people, to the people then. He was talking to his disciples and everyone there. That which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. So every activity that you, in, you want to do that will involve materials needs to be cost planned. Meaning that you have to plan and determine and know exactly how much it's going to cost. When you are planning for cost, mind you, there will definitely be variations. But at least you want to be guided. Even if you plan that, if you plan that it's going to be whatever dollar amount, it could turn out that it's a dollar X plus any other variable. But at least you have planned. At least you have determined that this is what you are, you want to achieve. Praise the Lord. So, so also in uh, child, our children's education, planning is very, very key. Planning is very, very key. Planning for the courses they intend, they want to do, because the course they will want to do, we affect the subject they should be taking now, and the subjects they are taking and the course they want to do, what they want to study in the future, we also affect the cost. So, in planning for the funding, the cost that these children, the child or children want to study in future, should be part of that planning. Praise the Lord, as presented to us in the first by our first presenter in the first service, we see that the various costs, the various uh, subjects or area of uh, discipline that you want that the child study have different cost implications. Now, for planning for funding, 
technical, you jump to the next slide already. That's good. In planning for funding, there are various uh, sources of fund, just like every other investment or every other venture that you want to go into. There are three major sources of funding. You either save to, save to get money for funding, or the person will borrow, or you get a grant or a gift or an award. So in planning, you have to determine where is the money coming from from these three angles. We are going to try to deal with each of them uh, a little bit. The first one would be on savings. Now, each of these three sources of funds have their good and not so good and their bad. Okay. So the first one we want to deal with savings. Savings is good most of the time. And it's actually is the one firstly mostly encouraged. You have control over it. The only downside of it is that the savings is mostly limited by the uh, money, the income that you have. But at least it's a very good, um, it's a very good habit to create. And for purpose of children's education, savings, you have to do it wisely for you to take good advantage of it in the environment where we are in Canada. Thank God for the country, Canada. And thank God for the, um, the province that we are. There is ROSP, and I'm sure so many of us have heard about it. It's called ROESP, Registered Education Savings Plan. It's a good way to plan for a child's education. It has so very many advantages. So you have to start off early. Now, if you want to open an ROSP, you have to know the difference between ROSP, opening an ROSP, and making money in the ROSP itself. It's kind of get confusing that, oh, open an ROSP with us. Uh, the banks will say, open an ROSP with us. Oh, do this, we'll do that. Now, what will be done with the money is another decision. But the first thing is you have to know that you have to open an ROSP. Now, ROESP is Registered Education Savings Plan. And one of the good advantages is that it's partly funded, as I will say, or let me put it the other way. For every savings you put in the uh, account, you receive a grant from government into that savings. And it's 20% of whatever amount that you contribute into, the char into the, an ROSP account. There are different types of ROSP account. You can have, um, I'm jumping to the other slides already, but it's okay, we can do it here. Most of the other items I will be saying, they are detailed in the other slides. Praise the Lord. So for ROSP, open it as early as you can for your child. You have three different types of ROSP, different ways you can open them. You can open an ROSP as an individual ROSP, which means if you have, for each child that you want to open an RSP for, you enter, you open different RSP account for them. That's called individual RSP. Or you can open a family RSP, which means you open one RSP account and list all the children you want to uh, be covered in that RSP. Praise the Lord. And the other one is called group RSP. In the group RSP, 
you, you register as an individual with a company or an entity or an institution that is running an ROSP investment. And so what they do is once you register with them, they open uh, a specified account for your ch child that you register with them, and you are in a pool of all other people that register with them in that RSP group. So every investment they are doing, they are doing it at once or uh, for everybody in that group. Praise the Lord. Now, there are so many other things we need to know about RSP. We'll try to cover as much as we can. As I start early, you can start, you can open an RSP account for a child as early as you can. But you cannot contribute to that RSP for that child once the child clocks uh, 21. And you cannot open an RSP, you cannot contribute to an RSP for more than 21 years. Now, it can be confusing, yes, 21 for that child, but that account doesn't need to be closed. Even if the child is 21 and you cannot contribute for the child anymore, well, you can contribute, but it's just that the government will not add anything to it anymore. Provided that you have not exceeded 50,000 life contribution for that child, which means if you open an RSP for a child, each child, you can contribute up to 50,000 dollars for each child in that RSP. So which one, whatever one comes first, if you contribute up to 50,000 for each child and the child is still less than 21 years old, you will stop the contribution for that child. Except you now list another child in that RSP and then you can continue the contribution again. Praise the Lord. Now, the, also, the contribution from government into the RSP is also masked out. As I say, it's 20% of every amount that you contribute in a year where not more than 2,500 that you contribute, which means if you contribute more than 2,500 in a year to a child's RSP, no problem. The government will only pay for that year for up to 25,000, 25, 2,500 that you contributed, which means the government can only contribute a maximum of $500 a year for a child. Praise the Lord. So, so there are so many other questions. Please, if you, at the end of, we may not be able to cover all the aspects of ROSP or every other source of funding here. But if you have questions, please go to our website, uh, ca, and a on our website, you'll be able to send your requests to admin. Praise the Lord. Or your questions. And then the admin will direct you to the appropriate uh, sections. So that's about ROESP. And as I said, there are so many things to cover there, but let's stop there meanwhile so that we'll be able to talk a little bit about others. And then TFSC. TFSC also have, uh, I, I think, is a, a good way to cover up for any short form. Uh, that you may have from not contribute, not having enough fund in RSP. Say, for example, you have more than 50000 to contribute for a child, and you have already masked that out. You know that 50000 may not be enough for a four-year program. If you put together accommodation and every other thing, depending on the 
course of study that the child will be going for. Uh, TFSA comes handy. The advantage with TFSA is that you can withdraw from TFSA anytime, and the money you make, any income you make in TFSA is tax exempt, which means it will grow faster because tax seems to slow down investment growth. But for TFSA, it's not. There are so many other rules around TFSA. Um, the maximum amount you can contribute a year is rolled out every year by government. It used to be 5,000, later it became 5,500, and it later became uh, 6,000. I think it's at 6,000 per year now. Praise the Lord. And any year that you have missed a contribution, that, okay, just to measure no confusion, for TFSA, you don't have to open it for a child. You open it for yourself. The only thing I'm saying is that if you have savings in TFSA, you can withdraw to, for a child's education as well. Praise the Lord, because it's an, it has advantage uh, kind of account. Praise the Lord. The other source of funding is borrowing. Okay. And then in Canada and in Ontario and so many other provinces, there is a uh, student loan arrangement. Praise the Lord. There is a student loan arrangement where uh, students can apply for um, OSAP and get uh, Ontario uh, Education Assistance Program and get assistance from government. Now, the amount you can get and whether you are entitled to varies. It depends on your income or family income, I should say. Um, so, sometimes you may not qualify. Sometimes for people that qualify, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, and depending on the family's condition, the government could also convert part of that loan into a grant, a form of a forgiveness. Say you get a loan of 10000 for your child or your child get... Okay, another thing is, you cannot apply for your child to go and get a loan for your child. Your child has to apply to get a loan for himself, for OSAP. So if the child gets uh, the loan, then sometimes the government could look into the situation of the family, the income available to the child's education and things like that, and that they could forgive part of the loan. And the loan is not payable until the child's education is done. Praise the Lord. Until the child's education is done and then the loan kicks in. There's a moratorium period. During the period of education, interests are not charged on the loan. So to my mind, I think is a, I think it's a good source of funding for education. But it's not something you hope on because as I said, you don't have control over that. You don't know whether you will qualify or not. Praise the Lord. Uh, I'm talking from experience. Sometimes you think you will qualify, but then you apply, you didn't qualify. Uh, it has happened to, to, to my family before. Praise the Lord. So we didn't uh, get it. Praise the Lord. So, but for those who knows how to use loan wisely, as I, as I always say, borrowing is not a problem by itself. I'm not encouraging you to go borrow. But I think um, 
it's a different topic on its own, but I think that if you know how to use borrowing wisely, good businessmen use borrowing very well. Um, and as I said, education is part of a good futuristic investment. And if you know how to use loan well or borrowing well, it can work out for you. But if you are not, if you are somebody that likes too much materiality, that likes to catch up with colleague, uh, friends, you know, children, when they mix up with their colleagues, they like to buy that, buy that. I'm using iPhone, I'm using iPhone 10 or 15. I don't know which stage I did now on iPhone, I don't know. Anyway, so if you are that type, please don't take loan to do that because it will hurt. I heard the first presenters talking about uh, for those who bought furniture and they say you don't have to pay until 24 months. Uh, if you bought it two years ago, 24 months is here already. Uh, you may have felt that it was a free furniture, but it's not. So also is borrowing. When you borrow, you have to be very, very financially disciplined to go for borrowing to work for you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And then the third source of funding is grants. Grants from governments or award or scholarship. Again, those are very, uh, they are not, they are very subjective, I would say. You do not have too much control on them. But you can at least check them out and see whether you qualify. So I just needed to mention them to, so that for those who don't know, they will know that those things are available. Praise the Lord. But so, of these three, the ones we tend to have control over mostly is savings. So that's why we cannot overemphasize OPRESP on time, because the time value of investment and the compounding impact of investment is higher when the number of years of maturity of investment is long. Meaning that if you invest $10 now, in 10 or 20 years' time, you'll be in a better position than somebody who invests uh, $20. I have to call it back in two years. That's what I mean by compounding impact of time. It's better when the time is longer. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're running out of time now, but uh, I wanted to... Can you jump to slide... Um, so that would be all for funding. I'm, I'm sure there will be some questions, but I wanted to jump on uh, the application process as you're preparing for a child's education. You need, to, you need to be conscious that once they are in grade 10, 11, their grades become very, very important. Very, very important because if you are in high school here in Canada, the application process is such that you will start to apply when your grade 12 scores or grading are not yet out. So they rely so much on your grade 11 to process your application. So by the time you are a child that is delaying things and hoping that, oh, well, my grades are not very, but in grade 12, I will step up and make sure it's very strong. Yeah, it's good, you step up, but even grade 10, 11, you need to step up too because that will really be the main determinant. Um, most universities, they will offer uh, conditional admission 
based on the grace that you already have in grade 11. So by the time grade 12 is out, they just want to make sure that you are maintaining that same uh, grade. Not that, oh, don't worry, my grade 11 is bad, but you can take me because I'm hoping that my grade 12 will be great. They can't, they don't use that. Praise the Lord. That's what I wanted to point out on that. And for another thing to watch out for, can you jump to the last, just before conclusion, issues and challenges in school? Okay, God bless you. Issues and challenges in schools. So, technically, the last, before conclusion, then back a bit. One more. Good. God bless you. In transitioning to campus, uh, as parents, we need to monitor our, uh, we need to guide, let me say, use that. We need to guide our children to make sure they are transitioning, transitioning to campus um, in a smooth form. That they are missing out with the right group of people. Now, we can only guide, you're not going to sit in school with them where COVID will soon be over by God's grace and our children will go back to campus. Most of them are studying from home now, but it's not the norm. Um, so I'm sure that by the time uh, COVID-19 is over, and it's over in Jesus' name, that students will go back to campus. And when they do, for new students and those who are not that new, but it's just that their first year was spent at home, and now they are going to have campus first time, first time, there's a transitioning process. They will have to take up more responsibility. They need to be aware of that. There's no mommy daddy wake you up to say, oh, pick up this, have you done this, have you done that? You want to do that? It will be on phone but they have to take most of their decision. They become decision makers, personal decision makers. They manage their time. They have to manage self-discipline. Uh, they have to manage meeting school's demands. And this could cause a lot of pressure on them. They, they, they don't have, they, they have to follow and, and be tracking when do I have class, they have to be familiar with their school website, where the information are. Nobody is going to be guiding and sharing stuff and say, oh, this is what you'll be doing tomorrow. Tomorrow, make sure you're in this class. They are lecturers. They just push their materials on the web. You are a student. You are, it's assumed you are matured. You have finished grade 12. So you should know where to find materials. They need students. It becomes, it's a bit challenging to make that switch. After you have done it, you may not feel it anymore, but for students who are just transitioning, it's not that as easy. And it varies from child to child. Some children pick off responsibility very early in life, and so they are used to different challenges. Any two throw their way, they are fine. But others are not like that. So others need to be aware, they need to be told that these are the things that will change. There will be... Uh, Peer influence, you know, they go into campus, say, okay, now I'm on campus, I'm a matured uh, student now, and they try to live the life that others are living that they think is great, and they start feeling that their style may be different, might is not as good as the other one. So, then they start having issues with peer challenges, 
peer influences, but uh, is our prayers that they do not fall prey to negative influences in Jesus' name. But it's not on the part of the parents to be aware and to be nurturing and teaching our children and monitoring their progress even when they are on campus for, for especially the first few years. Amen. In conclusion, we can plan all we want, we can say all we want, but we definitely need God's guidance and prayers. Psalm 127.1 says, Except the Lord build the house, the labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman watcheth but in vain. Let's be on our feet as we pray that God Almighty will help us to uh, that the children and our home and our family, God will give us the grace, the enablement to be able to take the right steps even in their education. In the name of Jesus Christ. That as we plan, the wisdom of God will guide us through the planning. And, and when it comes to executing, that our children shall not be lacking, they will not fall by the wayside. No one will influence them negatively. Every forces of darkness that will try to pull them down will come against them in Jesus' name. They are success, they are great to the glory of God Almighty. Thank you, Father. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' name.